0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of our uh, Elevate Students podcast and I'm so glad to be coming to you today just solo and uh, I'd like to start off this episode just by saying thank you uh, for tuning in those of you who tune in regularly and you are a blessing to me and I'm, I'm so appreciative of everyone who does and uh, I'd like to give a little bit of a mission statement for our youth program we're growing and we're seeing a lot of visitors and people come um, you know for the first time and people sticking around uh, who have just started coming recently and it's a wonderful thing it's an am- amazing um, you know story even that we're seeing unfold uh, even up to this point and we've only been here for you know 14 months me and my wife have lived in Virginia for 14 months and have been here at Clover Hill Baptist Church and uh, I have you know the privilege of being the full-time youth pastor here and it's an amazing thing a dream come true and I love it I love every second of it and I love getting to serve our teenagers and there's not a thing in the world that I would rather do um, than, uh, than plan and prepare for them and to teach them and uh, to help them and, and just and be their friend as well and disciples uh, and make disciples of our teenagers and uh, so I'm blessed I just want to say thank you for that and I do want to um, break down a little bit just what we do. You know, our mission, our purpose um, that we have taken on in this ministry, um, it's got three steps to it. There's three phases of this ministry. And the first one is find teenagers and to find young people wherever they are, whether it's school, uh, out on the street, you know, uh, or even if it's kids bringing their friends, you know, find them, find them and bring them in. That's the the first step in this whole process you know if we're not doing those that thing right then uh, you know we're not going to be ministering to very many teenagers so uh, that's the first step step two is build them up so find them build them up and uh, i am not if you've ever heard me preach before or or teach before uh, i am not a doom and gloom kind of preacher Uh, i don't enjoy you know focusing on the negative Um, rather i'd like to uh, you know encourage and motivate and uh, and push to to be better, and uh, better people, and that is uh, truly my heart. And I hope that that is communicated to the teenagers weekly. Um, that you know, if they don't have it at home or at uh, school or you know in their everyday environment, that at least for an hour, uh, an hour and a half on Wednesday nights and an hour on Sunday morning, um, you know, our our goal is to make them feel loved because they are. And uh, we got some great volunteers and, and myself that, uh, that love these teenagers. And, uh, and I, I think that they know that. I hope they do for sure. So we want to build them up. We want to help them to become better uh, people, better citizens of, uh, of Chesterfield County, and then also uh, to serve their church and to uh, serve their youth group and serve their friends as well. Send them, and then third is to send them out. So we want to find them, bring them in. Find them and bring them in, build them up, and then send them back out. So we want to give them the tools uh, to be successful, uh, to be good Christians, how to live for God, and then send them out to do it in the real world. And this is not just a game that we play on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. This is real life where people need to hear the gospel, and uh, and we're you know the the vessels that God uses to make that happen. And uh, so that's our mission um, at Clover Hill Baptist Church, and especially in our a youth program and uh, I feel like so far that has been successful um, you know our our uh, history of of our teenagers bringing their own friends uh, speaks for itself and so and that's a wonderful thing and I and that's really nothing that I do you know we provide a, a place and a space for them and uh, and they bring their friends and I, that's amazing to me and I've never seen uh, in, in my years of youth ministry I have never seen teenagers so actively bringing people, and uh, it's it's amazing. And praise the Lord for that. The teenager for teenagers that care about their friends enough to invite them uh, to come to church. And so I'm grateful. And uh, we we just have such a great time. We're breaking our attendance records. We're jumping up into new uh, new categories for attendance, and um, you know breaking goals that we had set for 2021 and uh, 2022 is just going to be even more, uh, amazing. And, um, you know, we've been talking about some of our programming in recent weeks on Instagram and, and in person as well. And, but I'm excited about this leadership team. I'm excited about this canvassing opportunity, uh, that we have and uh, to get the word out in our community. And so I just, I would hope that if you're listening to this and you live close to us, uh, here in Chesterfield, that you would get plugged in. If you're a parent, Uh, We're looking for volunteers, you know, we need people to come and help us. And uh, so if that's you, then please let us know. And uh, we'd love to serve with you and help you serve your teenagers as well. And uh, so we have been in the book of Ruth, uh, jumping into the the challenge that I have for everybody today. And we've been in the book of Ruth and we finally are in chapter 2. And uh, verses 1 through 9 is the section that uh, we covered last night and that I'd like to cover this morning this afternoon, I guess now. And uh, so we're in the story of Ruth now. So we kind of went through the precursor and, and the preface of the story uh, and Naomi and the buildup. And you kind of see how, uh, you know, Ruth got to where she is. And so now they're in Judah to give you some uh, review if you haven't uh, tuned into any of our other uh, episodes uh, of this particular lesson. And so you had Elimelech and Naomi, their husband and wife and father and mother. They have two sons, Melon and Chilion. There's a famine in Judah. And the Bible says that they go to Moab to try to escape the famine. And then uh, while in Moab, shortly thereafter, Elimelech, Melon, and Chilion all die. And uh, not before Melon and Chilion marry uh, a, a wife each. And their names are Ruth and Orpah. So after all the men in the family are dead, um, Naomi tells Ruth and Orpah, go ahead and go on home. Uh, You know, you have, uh, you know, you're young, you got time, you can try this again. And Orpah, you know, takes that blessing and goes on home. And then Ruth tells Naomi, look, I don't even want to hear it. That's not going to happen. I'm staying with you. And so Ruth goes back to uh, Judah with Naomi. And there they are. They've, you know, reintroduced themselves and introduced uh, Ruth to uh, the family there in Bethlehem and all the people, and so now they're in Bethlehem in Judah, and as the you know tradition was and as the culture was back in these days, um, you know there was no really there was no law and no social safety net where you know checks would be delivered to their house or. You know, they'd uh, get food stamps and be able to just go to the, to the store and pick up food. They, you know, uh, we're going to see uh, what they had to do here in just a moment. But I'd like to uh, take a quick moment and read the passage of Scripture for today. And that's in Ruth 2, verse number 1 is where we're going to start. And the Bible says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field. And glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. So uh, they're back in Judah with no husbands, no sons to help them uh, to get food, no jobs, no skill. And so. Uh, They need to figure out how to survive. And so naturally, the first thing that Naomi does is to go through her Rolodex for people that they could reach out to for some kind of assistance. And uh, she comes across a name uh, called Boaz, a man called Boaz. And uh, so he's a wealthy landowner. And now I want to take a moment and we're going to go back. Now, you remember that the reason that they left Judah was because of the famine, right? Elimelech had taken his family and left Judah to go to Moab. And while Elimelech was in Moab, and while you know, it's hard to say that God was punishing them; He certainly wasn't blessing them, um, given that Elimelech, Mahlon, and Chilion all died. Um, but while they're in Moab, away from the Lord, you can certainly say uh, God had blessed Boaz and given him great wealth. And so um, it's kind of that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Boaz had a name and wealth; he stayed in Judah. Elimelech and Naomi did what they thought was uh, best for themselves and leave Judah, uh, thinking it was hopeless to stay there. And when they when Naomi gets back, she realizes not only had the people survived the famine, but people like Boaz had even thrived through it. And so you can just imagine, you know, the thoughts that are going through Naomi's head. And uh, but and it's a le- another lesson that Naomi learns is that just sometimes it's better to wait on God. And rather than to try to take it into our own hands, and that's such an easy thing to do, is try to force a situation or make it uh, a, a snap judgment call or decision without consulting uh, the Lord and and uh, practical wisdom. We just say, "Look, well, I know this is what I need to do, and do it." And then it, you know, it blows up in your face, or you know, you realize years down the line that it would have been better had you just stayed doing what you were doing, and so. You know, this has never been an uh, area of expertise for myself. Uh, You know, I like to think that I'm a self-sufficient person. I don't need a ton of help, you know, and I I can handle things myself. Uh, I'll figure it out or I'll find someone who 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 can get it done, you know. And uh, so if I have a problem, I can fix it. I don't need anybody's help. And uh, but I can't tell you how many times I've looked back uh, on my life and decisions that I've made and thought, man, if I just would have waited, you know, six more months. If I just could have held out just a little while longer, you know, maybe this would have turned out a lot differently and, uh, and better at that. Nevertheless, Ruth goes out to work in Boaz's field. And the Bible says in Leviticus 19.10, it gives a command to farmers that they should not harvest their entire field. They, when they plow in a straight line, when they get to the end, they should cut the corners and, uh, and, and leave it behind um, for the poor and needy. And not only that, um, they should... If they drop a bundle, if they drop, you know, whatever they were collecting, if they drop some of it, uh, they should they should also leave that behind for the poor and needy. Now, no, this is a way to take care of the poor and they could go out in the fields after the reapers, after the harvesters and collect what was left behind. And that was certainly within their rights to do. It was within the law. And uh, and it was a it was a command that the farmers and the harvesters would do that. So, but not only was it a way to take care of the poor, it enforced the biblical command that everyone should work for their food. And the Bible says, uh, "If a man shouldn't work, neither should he eat." And uh, so that's an important concept. And I, I'm never one to say, you know, if you can take advantage of government assistance or, or you know these these WIC programs or whatever, you have to do, you know, do it. But uh, don't you know? Don't allow the government. I don't allow you know charity to be a crutch for you your entire life unless you have some kind of disability or you know a severe problem obviously there's this is a nuanced uh, you know idea but uh, you know we ought to be adults we ought to learn how to work a hard day's labor is good for the soul and it's good for your heart and I uh, one of the things that I, I did do then I'm glad I did and I got counsel on and and followed it was right out of college. So I went to Bible college and, uh, you know, I had a pretty good life Uh, growing up. We had what we needed and in a lot of cases we had what we wanted. I had two parents that loved me and uh, so, you know, a good life. And um, I went to Bible college out of high school and I came home and my pastor at the time, he told me, you know, why don't you go to work for a year or two and uh, and learn what it's like to live in the real world. And uh, I was getting married soon. And it's always a good thing, I think, it's always a good thing for pastors, um, you know, and, and ministry workers to know what it's like, you know, to uh, to have to get up and go to a nine to five. And in a lot of ways I treat this job like a nine to five, but, you know, hours are extended and everything else. And, you know, I got home at midnight last night uh, on a Wednesday night. That's a pretty normal occurrence. And so I'm not trying to brag, you know, but we, we set office hours and, and all this. Right. So. But this job is not a typical job. It's not like somebody who goes to work and, you know, they're a mechanic or, you know, they even they work in an office with a bunch of other people and to have to learn, you know, office politics and deal with unsaved people uh, in the workplace. And, uh, you know, it's, this is a, this is a good job and, you know, but it's, it's a, it's, it takes a lot out of you if if you can understand what I mean. And, And that doesn't matter for the sake of this context. However, my pastor told me, once you go to work, and so uh, my dad was working at a roofing company, and I had worked there in the summers in between, co- in, in between college years and Christmas breaks and everything, and I had enjoyed that, and I, I liked working with uh, those guys, and so I went to work full-time uh, as a roofer, and they were showing me the ropes, and I, I learned how to repair roofs and, uh, you know, take off old roofs, and I'm slow, but I can put on a a new roof and it takes me a while and I don't even know that I have all the tools that I would, you know, want to do that job. Uh, however, I went into that that line of work and it taught me a lot about a hard day's labor, getting up at, you know, 630 in the morning, being at work by seven and working till the sun goes down and doing it every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturday and uh, and, and learning what real hard work is about in that, that lifestyle. And uh, it was so good for me. And so um, uh, that concept of a hard day's work. And this is to say that everybody needs to be working. You know, we need we uh, we should find jobs and uh, we should get our hands dirty sometimes. And uh, that's a good thing for all of us. And this um, welfare program in, in Judah in these days, um, you know, the poor could be taken care of, but they still had to be out in the fields collecting food otherwise they were going to go hungry and uh, so they they couldn't just line up outside of the field and expect the workers to hand them food Um, the the rule was they could go in the field and collect it themselves and so ruth takes the initiative and sets out to the fields to go behind the workers and get whatever she could and uh, she said she goes to boaz's field to gather food now the bible says that ruth in her mind uh, it says that she thinks she just happens to come across boaz's field and uh, maybe, maybe it seemed that way to her that it was just a happy coincidence. But what she's going to learn later on is that God guided Ruth to that field where he was going to provide for her. Second Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And this is truly what it means to walk in the Spirit. Now, you know, we that's kind of a, a Christian lingo and a jargon and, you know, sometimes it gets convoluted. And uh, But when you're walking in, uh, walking in the Lord when you're walking by faith God guides you and not you know a voice in your head uh, maybe it it seems like your conscience or, or whatever is speaking to you and uh, it's not that we hear God talking to us but when you're doing what you know to do that is when God guides you when we're examining you know there, it's been said that people make thousands of decisions every single day you know, down to am I gonna get up and go to the bathroom right now am I gonna uh, take a drink of water you know things as simple as that. People make thousands of decisions every day. And maybe, maybe hundreds, but it's many decisions. And so when we're deciding how to live and, and down to those minute decisions, and singular decisions, do we do the next right thing? And we do, do we do what we know is right? It's when we do that uh, that God blesses us and God uh, provides just like he did with Ruth. And we're going to see next week uh, from this story even more. And this is, it's going to start moving pretty fast. We're going to start going through big chunks of, uh, of the book of Ruth. But we're going to see starting next week, really, uh, all that God did to provide for Ruth and Naomi. And that's this, uh, that's this story. Uh, it's, it's of God's providence, the book of Ruth is. And uh, so I hope you uh, enjoyed this today. I hope it made you better. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in.